Welcome to Mastering Executive Leadership, where you get real-time insights and practical advice from North America's top executive coaching strategist, Audra Christie. Audra's approach is simple. Deliver the unvarnished truth, one leader at a time. That means you're getting a straightforward, honest approach to evolving into the leader or executive you've always aspired to be. Join us every week as Audra interviews some of the most successful leaders in the world who share their leadership journey, lessons learned, and best practices for success. Whether new to the C-suite, a seasoned executive, or an emerging leader, you'll find practical advice in every episode. If you're ready to step into a new level of leadership, it's time to dive in. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of Mastering Executive Leadership with Audra Christie. Today is super special. I get to interview my friend, a former colleague, someone who's always looked out for me, and someone who's currently a CEO. And as you all have heard me preach and talk and write about, there are some things that, from a leadership perspective, that CEOs want you to know. So, Steve, Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I want people to kind of understand your background and um, how it shaped you into the leader you are today. Well, it is morning. So good morning, Audra. Uh, it's great to, to be with you and thanks for taking the opportunity. I've been, uh, I've been following you closely and on your journey and the things that you're doing and the incredible work that you're doing, the business that you're building. You've always been about others and clearly helping others. So good for you. And uh, for all of those of you out there who don't know me, but know Audra, keep watching and stay close because she's on to big things and always has been. And you and I have talked about that for a long time. So good for you. A uh, little bit, you know, me, uh, yeah, currently in a CEO role, uh, certainly challenging times to, to be in that role. And it's always been something that uh, I've aspired to for a long time. I've been a journey through consulting, through brand management, uh, through merchandising leadership positions, very uh, starting in finance, uh, very cross-functional career path that I think has prepared me well to do this. Because when you're sitting in this chair, it's all about the cross-functional management. And it's also one of the great things about the job is you get to do so many different things on a given day. Um, but you know, the buck also stops with you. So it's also something you need to go into eyes wide open and be ready for the challenge. Nice. And when you think about being a CEO, what is it that you want your leaders to know before they enter any room, whether it's a one-on-one with you, whether it's a boardroom, whether it's a big meeting, all hands, what is it that they need to know mentally to be able to show up as their best selves? Well, you know, obviously it always does a certain matter on the situation that you're in, but, but one of the things that I think is really important as a leader is to understand the power and the scope of the responsibility that you actually have and that others think you have. So what do I mean by that? People are watching you. They're watching every move you make. They're watching every flinch, every eye roll, every tick that you have when things are happening. And sometimes it's a it's an easy meeting and we're having fun and we're going through some other things. It's, you know, a very important strategic uh, could be a board discussion, business meeting, and your peers, um, your supervisor, your board, uh, the people who work for you are watching your reaction all the time. So 
it doesn't mean you need to be a robot, you don't need to, you know, and, and express yourself, but you got to understand that people are looking at you and they're watching you. And that's what leaders have to know is that everything you do matters and everything you do is watched closely. Uh, and it's not always fun, by the way, uh, because, you know, you sometimes you're under a microscope, particularly in the job that I'm in, but it's just the reality of it. And you have to recognize that. And the more you understand that, I think sometimes the more effective you can be. And uh, just so you all know, uh, Steve is being very modest and super humble, but I used to support him in a former HR role and he gave me lots of wisdom. So I'll be sharing those throughout our time today. But there was one thing you used to always say, never give bad news after four o'clock on a Friday. (laughs) (laughs) And I share that as a tip with some of my clients. Can you just unpack that a little bit? Like, what do you really mean by that? And what can the listeners take away from just, I think timing is so important. I think you're right. And, um, you know, I also believe that the flip side of that is bad news should always travel faster than good news. So if there's bad news and there's real you know, issues, you know, I don't care if it's midnight on, you know, Friday or Saturday, you, know, you need to share that feedback. So we'll put that stuff on the side as we talk about this. But really what's underlying that message is that leaders need time to decompress too. And, you know, just because it's your most important issue right now doesn't mean it's everybody's most important issue right now. And understanding that is really, really important. Uh, especially when it's, you know, sometimes it come across as you're dumping your bad news on me at four, four o'clock on Friday. So you're done for the weekend. You know, it, it, why did you come to get it done and come to me on Wednesday so we could talk about it? Right. So there, there is a balance there of letting everyone decompress. And right now it's interesting. You read all the press about business and what's going on in the working community and people and mental health and all those kinds of things. And they're all real and they're all things that need to be considered. But leaders have the same issue. We're working very hard to keep our organizations um, aligned, performing, balanced, all those kinds of things. I need the same thing as well. And other leaders do the same thing as well. So think about timing. Think about when you do things. Think about things that are going to be most effective. And probably more important than that, think about how you share the news. Right? There are certain things, and this is what good organizations do. And I've been a part of a lot of organizations that don't do this well. Sometimes it should be an email. Sometimes it's a topic that's a a memo. Sometimes it's a presentation. Sometimes it's a phone call. Sometimes it's in person. And as a leader or as anyone, knowing which lever to pull when is incredibly important and make you a much more effective communicator. And if that's, hey, news at four o'clock on Friday, do it the right way. Don't send it, you know, shot over the bow in just an email and then, you know, do nothing with it. How do we deal with the issue and how do we make it be more effective against it? Wow, we can probably stop the uh, podcast right there because, oh my goodness, goodness. Wow, great, great nuggets. Um, You made me think of something because you started the conversation talking about cross-functional partnerships. And I remember you shared with me once because I was horrible at this. You said, listen, if you have a cross-functional partner who's really important, be so close that a piece of paper can get between the two of you. See, I listen to you. Can you share with our leaders what that really means? Because sometimes I think people are just so inwardly focused. They're only thinking about themselves. They collaborate because they have to. 
Well said. Um, Cross-functional partnerships are incredibly important, and they're more important than they've probably ever been. I I can't think of an organization that isn't some degree aligned through a matrix, and you're always working with different people. And your ability to influence and to lead cross-functionally is one of the things that ultimately will differentiate you in the long term and will help with your results. It's easy to manage vertically. Uh, It's easy fundamentally at the end of the day to tell the people who report to you what to go do if you want to go do that. But what really good leaders do is they influence horizontally. They influence cross-functionally and they know um, what their cross-functional partners need. They know how to influence them. They, to your point, stay close to them and understand their issues as well as you sharing your issues with them. Too many times people want to get cross-functional help, but don't understand what their cross-functional partners need from them. And that's this idea of, you know, so close, you can't slide a piece of paper together. You're the same team and working together, you should know as much about their business as they know about your business. And if you do that really well, ultimately better relationships, better teams. And I believe that ultimately delivers better results. As you think about your role as a leader, you wear two hats in your role. Okay. One of those hats is going to be to be a business leader, functional leader, whatever your role is. You're an HR leader. Your job is to be great at HR and helping your teams and do all those things. The other is to be a company executive and wear that hat and understand which hat you need to wear in which moment. And a lot of people struggle with this. And I think it's a fundamental separator, quite frankly, of performance when you get to senior executives. There's too many, I'm sure you've all sat in meetings, there's too many people who only think about their world. They're very narrow. It's their function. It's their business. And they don't think horizontally. And what really good executives do as they rise up is they understand, okay, in this meeting, I need to be a company executive and I need to think full enterprise of everything that's happening. And there's other times I need to defend my function. I need to defend my business. I need to defend my budget, whatever it is, and do it you know, really vehemently and be strong. But understanding the nuance between that is really, really important. And I've learned that through my career, and, and I think I've gotten better at it. Um, now I always have to wear a company hat as, as kind of to where I am. But I've watched people really struggle with this. And quite frankly, it makes them less effective. So understanding which hat you need to wear and then how you're most effective when you're doing that is really, really important. Part of that is know your cross-functional partners, know what they need. So when you are wearing that company hat, you can be more effective. My goodness. You make me want to maybe go back in the corporate America. No, no, no. That's okay. (laughs) Well, I I always, you know, Audra, I'll always take you when you're available. You just let me know. (laughs) So, gosh, I'm sitting over here learning myself. But when you think about face-to-face versus the remote situation that we're in, can you talk a little bit about why face-to-face is so important? And as you are aspiring to be an executive like yourself, potentially CEO, what do you miss when you don't have the face-to-face? Like there's so many companies right now thinking about the hybrid, you know, I think the pendulum is moving to the other side, but I think people don't value face-to-face and they're just like, oh, well, I can do my job anywhere. And I don't know if you can really do your job anywhere, depending on what you're leading and and the function that you're in. Boy, there's a lot we can talk about in this space. And I, I, I could go on for hours on this because it's something that I think is, um, is really important. 
And I think it's something that has gotten out of balance, quite frankly. And, you know, we all know the situation we were in and, you know, we had to make adjustments and, you know, amazing to people how well people adapted and adjusted and kept things moving during the challenging times of COVID. Um, But it doesn't mean those are right for the long term. And to me, what you get face to face, and maybe this is obvious, but personal connection and personal relationship. And ultimately, you just learn more about people. And when you know more about people, you can communicate better. And I believe you can solve problems better together when you have a personal relationship. Talking over a screen together, um, while it's certainly okay for certain situations, it's not really how you build a relationship. And business is about relationships. Business is about who you know, what you know. Um, I I had a tell you a story when um, this is probably, oh, I guess a year ago now, maybe a year and a half ago, when we were starting the back to office concept. And, you know, everyone is thinking about, well, who goes? When do I go? Do I need to go? Is it fair? What's the, what's the policy? How's it going to be managed? All those kinds of things. I was doing a town hall uh, for our company, probably, I don't know, there's maybe 500 people on, on a Zoom call. And I was doing Q&A. And I had just probably talked for 20 minutes about return to office, why it's important to me, how I think it makes the company better. And I had a young man who asked the question. He said, well, won't the people who come to the office be advantaged because you'll know them better? And I gave him a one-word answer. I said, yes. Wow. And there was about 30 seconds of uncomfortable silence (laughs) after that. Of course, of course. And then I said, next question. And, you know, I was being, I took, a, I took a moment to make a point and I, I wasn't trying to oversimplify the situation, but it was an opportunity to make a point because guess who gets promoted is people you trust. And when I'm thinking about who do I want to give the next big job to? Yes, they need to be capable, of course, but do I trust them to do the job? Do I trust them to lead? Do I trust them to deliver the results? Do I trust them to build for the future? And the only way you really trust people is you get to know them. And of course, when you're hiring people from the outside, there's more complication because you you build that relationship over time. But if I can trust you and I can build a relationship with you, I'm going to feel better about promoting you. And I think you'll be in an advantaged position. Now, there's probably a bunch of people listening to this say, well, that's not fair and I don't like that. Life's not always fair, um, but honestly, I think more people think about this like this than they don't, and you just need to accept it and deal with it. Uh, I'm going to go after people who I think are going to do a great job. How do I get to know it? Well, I know them over time. Of course, I'm going to go that direction when it makes sense. It's a tiebreaker, so you should think about that as how do you build those relationships, and not just for yourself, but for your team. Your team, you will run a better team. You will have better people. You will develop them better if you build that relationship. I've I've talked to people countless hours about this topic, probably more than I would want to inside my own organization. Um, and I've had I've done it in groups, you know, of a, a couple thousand. I've done it in groups. I've done it one on one with people. And here's what I would tell you: um, I've well, let me, let me take this back. We've also, in our organization, we've gone through and we've identified jobs that we think can be and should be permanently remote jobs. 
Okay. You don't need to be in the office. We know what you do. We know how to measure effectiveness. We know who you are. You don't need to be there. And we've done a couple hundred of those jobs. So it makes perfect sense. I think it's great. But I've never had a discussion with somebody who's telling me why they want to, you know, spend more time at home. They've never been able to say to me why it's better for a result, why it's better for their team, why it's better for a process, why it's better for the company. It's always why it's better for them. And I think that is a balance that we need to strike because it's not that we're trying to take away flexibility. I'm a huge proponent of you should have flexibility in your work life. You need to go somewhere, go. You want to go to your kid's soccer game? Go. Actually, you should go. I want you to go. That's different than creating structure that prevents the company from reaching its full potential. And I think that's a balance that needs to be reached as we go forward. There's a lot of opinions on this. There's a lot of strong opinions on this. But I'll tell you, that's how I feel about it. And I've talked to a lot of my peers, uh, a lot of people in senior leadership positions, and the vast majority of them feel the same way. They're struggling with it. They're frustrated with it because they want to support their organizations, but they also need to deliver results. And they firmly believe that more face-to-face will help the company be successful. But more importantly, back to your original question, will help the individual be more successful because there'll be that relationship. They'll be a part of things. There's no way you can be as effective in a meeting online if there's you know ten people in a room having a discussion and you're on the outside trying to trying to raise your hand, trying to you know inflect a point. It's just not as effective. And we could have again a long discussion of what should be, but we have to deal with what is. Oh my goodness, we can go on and on here. Oh, uh, that that is one that is one <laughs> I could talk about hours and you'll get you'll see my voice starts to raise all kinds of things because I'm very, very passionate about that point. And I think you've pulled out a couple of things here. And I just want to reinforce for the leadership team. You know, a lot of us grew up being in the office, right? You probably got to where you are because you were in the office because working from home wasn't the default. And I'm not knocking work from home. I think we're designed to be in the office and I think we're designed to be relational. But I remember when I was at Walmart, I had a limitation with my daughter. But flexibility is a period of time. I couldn't come in before seven. I couldn't stay after five. But I was available when she went to sleep. And, I, you know, nine to 11, I'm putting in the time. And I learned a lot from you by just walking by your office, sticking my head to say, can I come in? And you would say yes about it. So I think that people need to understand that you got to decide what you want. And, you know, life isn't fair, but sometimes being visibly present will give you a leg up. And that's just the way it's going to be. Now, it doesn't discount the people who can't come in and who have real situations, but everyone doesn't need the same amount of flexibility at the same time. I, I think you're right. And, and just one more point I want to make, and hopefully I didn't say this. It's not about FaceTime, right? There's the old, you know, adage of, you know, I walk around and I want to see people in their seats. It, it is nothing to do with that. It has to do with the effectiveness of the organization and having people present at the moments that they need to be present at. And what good organizations need to do is they need to think about an operating schedule inside of the organization of what days they have meetings, when they have meetings, times that they have meetings. And, you know, we're growing and evolving in all this as an organization. And 
know, we're, you know, what days do we try to do things? What time do we, we try to do things so we can help people manage their schedules? Because I think flexibility is incredibly important. And, you know, when I, I've had some big jobs and as I was coming up and um, I had, you know, two sons, have two sons who are, you know, very active in sports. I never missed their games. I always got there. Now, sometimes I was up at 11 o'clock doing emails that night and catching up and, you know, making things happen because it was important to me. But it didn't mean I was very, always had supportive bosses who encouraged me to go. And I encourage people to find that flexibility. I encourage leaders to create flexibility for their teams. But flexibility is different than being present at work, being present at all in the office, being present at the key moments you need to be. Those are two very different things. And I think too often they get combined and confused. And I think what good organizations do, what good, or, what good leaders do for their teams is peel those apart and say, I don't care what hours you work. I care about the results. And I believe the results get better by you being present more because we're working as a team, we're solving problems, we're addressing um, you know, the issues, we're building product together, touching and feeling, all of those kinds of things. And it's also, particularly as you rise up in the organization, your job is to teach and train. And teaching and training remotely is far more difficult than doing it in person. And so much of that is informal. You know, you said we used to work together, you'd stop, you'd pop your head in. You know, we often talked about some serious topics when you did that. Yeah. You wouldn't have scheduled a Zoom to have that conversation. Exactly. Right? It just happened because you were walking by and you saw me and you were like, oh, I got to talk to Steve about A, B, and C. And, you know, you came in, we did it, and we knocked out probably a whole bunch of big issues that either would have taken a month to address or actually more importantly would have never been addressed because the informal i believe is as important if not more important than the formal in terms of communication and you know just pro- problem solving in an organization and this is a great segue into setting expectations so can you talk a little bit about your formula or your framework of how you lead your team and how do you want them to show up with their one pager, you know, I'm a big proponent of what's the one pager? Can you distill down your thoughts into something very simple? But I think setting those expectations early and flexibility and presence being a part of that, can you kind of share your model or your framework? You touched on a whole bunch of things there. Um, Let me, let me focus on, you know, how I think about people and the way I think people should think about themselves and their teams um, and their careers, quite frankly, because it does require planning and it does rep- require some structure and some thought about what you um, how you approach problem, how you approach your career, how you approach um, your evaluation and things like that. And I, there is a structure that I've used. I've used it for a long time. Uh, I use it for myself. I use it for the people who work for me, and I highly encourage them to use it throughout um, the entire organization. And actually, quite frankly, now that I'm in this job, we do use it through the entire organization because <laughs> I've I've told everybody this is what we're going to do. Um, but it's basically four buckets, and this is how you know, Audra, if you were working for me and we were doing an annual review or we were doing a formal mid-year review, um, 
this is how I would ask you to structure your, your work and, and the things that you do. And it's about results, strategy, capability, and people. Okay. And first and foremost, it's about results. If, if you're someone, you want to have a career, deliver results, right? Everybody wants to hire people who deliver results. Everybody wants to work with people who deliver results. So it's pretty obvious, uh, but you'd be amazed at the number of people who uh, don't understand that and don't think it's important. It's that important. It's critically important. You need to have people around you who deliver results. The second part is strategy. And this is always one that's interesting because you say, well, I don't build strategy, you know, the top of the house builds strategy and things like that. And that's true. But I think you have to understand your role. Your role might be to build and develop strategy. Your role might be to use the strategy, or your role might be as simply as to understand the strategy. And I think it's really important for people to align with the fundamental strategy of the company and make sure that they understand how their work aligns with the strategy. The why behind what we do is critically, critically important. So strategy is is the second bucket. The third one is capabilities. And similar to strategy, you might say, well, you know, I'm I'm a I'm an entry level person or I'm a junior person and you know I don't I don't build capabilities for the company. Maybe. But do you use the capabilities that are put in front of you? Um, you'd be amazed the number of times I have, like we have tools created, processes created, and people don't use them for a whole host of different reasons. Sometimes they didn't know about them. Sometimes they don't like them. Um, but you're responsible for either building capabilities or using the capabilities that are part of the organization. And I think that's critically important. So everybody plays a role in capabilities. And finally, maybe the most important, but we've always been to put it last in these things is people. If you're a leader, are you developing people? Are you hiring the right people as a you know, more junior person? Are you contributing? Um, are you showing up? Are you helping others? Are you raising issues? Um, all those issues are cr- incredibly important. And you know, even in companies that I worked in the past that didn't use that structure, I used to write my reviews in that structure and just hand it to my boss and say, you know, yeah, there's a, there's a form out there that the company wants me to use. But if I were you, this is what I'd be holding myself, holding me accountable for. And um, that's the structure I would use. So Whoever you are, you need to deliver results. You need to leverage or build strategy. You need to understand and use the capabilities that the company is investing in and spending a lot of money to help you be more successful. And then fundamentally, you need to be great at people. That could be, again, hiring people. It could be working cross-functionally. What we talked about earlier is you know, how do you build those relationships? And you need to do that. A little anecdote, you'd be amazed at the number of times I've had to talk to particularly more junior people, but not always, and say to them, you know, being liked is not a bad career strategy, meaning they weren't liked. They were hard to work with. And I don't mean hard to work with, they were tough. I mean, hard to work with, they were a pain. Um, They weren't thinking about others. They weren't uh, being flexible. They weren't um, being supportive. Right. So your role in an organization, um, the influence that you have up, down, sideways is incredibly important. So people, people, people can make a big difference for you. So as a CEO, let's play this out a little bit. 30 minutes, I'm assuming. And if you all listening out there reporting to Steve, if you're trying to meet with him an hour, take it down to 30. He likes 30. (laughs) So I have these big buckets. What do you want me? to focus on first? 
It's a good question. Actually, I would turn it back to you and say, it's your time. You tell me what we should focus on. Okay. And be clear about it. Right. What are we trying to accomplish? And um, how can I help you? Okay. Because I'm one of those people who um, I don't pretend to be able to do your job. Okay. I am very rarely going to give you specific direction on you, you should to go, you know, you're doing this wrong. You should go do this. I'm not smart enough or close enough to the issues to understand that you're the expert in that. To me, you're coming either for a specific decision on something because I have to make the decision or you're coming for guidance and support and help. Um, let's be clear on what that is. And I'm happy to play the role that, that you want me to play. But I think clarity on what we're trying to accomplish is one of the things that often gets, gets away from us. So we spend 30 minutes, sometimes an hour, Audra, together. And we, um, in the end, we're like, okay, are we making a decision here or what are we trying to do? So I think clarity of purpose is really, really important. And again, it's your time. I'm happy to, I'm here to support you. I'm here to help you. Um, I'll use the time how you want. And if I have an agenda, I will certainly tell you, but be clear on what you need. Do you need a decision? Do you need just guidance? Um, are you just checking your logic? Is it help me think through this? I'm happy to do that. One of the, one of the things that I think and maybe, maybe it's just me, maybe it's others, but I'll tell you how I think. Um, I love when people come into my office and say, hey, can you help me think through something? It, to me, that's energizing. Like I enjoy that. That's the fun part of my job. So and you have to know who, who you're working with. Not everybody's like that. And I understand <laughs> that. But I love when people come in and say, hey, I've been thinking about A, B, and C help me think this through. We spend 30 minutes or an hour on a whiteboard, you know, working through it. I enjoy that. Again, you have to know who your audience is, but back to personal relationships, by the way, know who you're dealing with, know who you're working with, know how they work, know how you can get the best out of them, whether they're above you or below you or sideways in the organization, it doesn't matter. Know that and then use that time as efficiently and effectively as you can. Oh my goodness. This is so good. So good. So you touched on a lot of things here, but I think what I'm walking away with is know your leader, know what they need. So if I was reporting to you, I would start with results because A, you're the CEO and you need to know if you need to make a decision, if you need to pivot or something like that. And then if it's a people problem, I would probably schedule additional time for that because sometimes for you to help me think through that, I would need more time. And I think that's okay. But Steve, I also want you to understand them, but you are CEO. So not a lot of people are going to say, hey, CEO, can you help me think through something? Because then it's going to feel like, oh, does he think I'm the right person? I don't know how to do it. So I think it's striking that balance. But the more time you can spend around your leader, whoever it is, know what they need. I know that you value FaceTime. I don't value it as much. I value quick information, send me a text, give me a heads up, and then we can schedule time later. But I remember you told me one thing. You said, listen, know when you need me in the room, know when you need my title, <laughs> and know when it's okay to say Steve said. And I think so many people don't know how to distill that because that was game changer. Like you gave me permission to reach out to you when I really needed you or to use your name in vain. And sometimes, well, it always worked, but I would never use it without contracting with you on the front end. I appreciate that. I just want to touch on one thing you said. 
that you say, I appreciate FaceTime. It's not FaceTime. I appreciate the effectiveness that comes from it. I don't care about the FaceTime. I believe the FaceTime can make us more effective in solving problems and moving faster. Got it. And I think that's the distinction of people get upset of like, oh, you know, it's all about FaceTime. It's like, hey, I got plenty of work to do on my own. All right. I, it's not that I need the FaceTime. It's I think if we have a better working relationship, if we understand each other better, we'll be more effective. The team will be more effective. If you're running your staff and your team and there's a personal relationship there and a coordination, I think you'll be more effective as a team. I think you get there further, faster by spending time together. To me, that's the issue. But effectiveness, you have to understand what people are looking for, and they're looking for you to drive results. They're looking for you to be effective. They're looking for you to develop great people. And I'm a big believer that togetherness, you do that better. I love that. Now, can you talk a little bit about the unvarnished truth? from a CEO perspective on how you need your leaders to talk about what's going on, take accountability for it, and then bring everyone together to solve it. And then my purpose in my business is to deliver the unvarnished truth one leader at a time. And that's about feedback. So can you talk a little bit about the two or do you see them one in the same? Well, I think the concept of being unvarnished is really important. Um, I often tell my team that, you know, I, I said it earlier, but, you know, the concept, there's a whole bunch of cliches. Good, uh, bad news should travel faster than good news is, is incredibly important. You know, there's no problem we can't fix if we know about it. The worst problems are the ones we don't know about it. And you have to have an organization that's willing to raise up bad news and not just be one that only, you know, shows up when they have good news. Um, as a leader, I know there's problems out there, okay? Not that it's going to surprise me that there's problems. That's why we all have jobs, quite frankly, is because there's problems to be fixed and work to be done. So don't make the mistake of not being willing to bring bad news. It's actually a sign of strength that you're the one who's willing to raise your hand and say, hey, this is a problem. Now, don't be the one who has problems all the time, okay? And try to fix what you can fix. But what you don't ever want to do is let a problem get to the point where it becomes a problem for everybody. It becomes a problem for the company. It becomes a problem that's not manageable. Um, there's a lot of resources and a lot of help you can get in every organization. So you have to be willing to be unvarnished, to bring bad news. And you know it's often good to bring it with suggestions on how to fix it. But where organizations get into trouble, where people get into trouble is they don't let other people know. They think they can solve it all themselves. And, you know, I look at our organization, you know, we're a global company. We have people operating all around the world. So there is this idea of, you know, we call it tyranny of distance at times. It's hard to know what's going on in, you know, our factories around the globe or our different operating businesses. So it's a culture that you have to create of sharing both the good and the bad and being willing to do it. I think it's incredibly important and it's a sign of a good organization. If you don't have that, you're going to have problems over time. And those problems ultimately will catch up with you. So I think you need to do that from a business perspective. I think it's the, the job for leaders is to um, cultivate that, and encourage it, reward it, and actually probe for it. You know, keep asking you know the questions to get there. But it also does tie over to the point you are making around people and giving them feedback. And I don't believe there's a right or wrong way to do it. I think different people give feedback differently, different people receive 
feedback differently. So I don't think there's a model that works of, you know, hey, this is how I don't th- I think good leaders adapt to their teams and deal with their individuals differently. So I think giving the feedback is important, but the how you do it is just as it's just important so that people are actually hearing the feedback. Um, you know, we've all worked for people who give no feedback and we've all worked for people who give too much feedback. And I think finding that right balance is is important and being willing to you know, be fair to people and give them feedback along the way is always helpful. Um, everybody always says they want it, sometimes right up until they get it. And everyone, by the way, people like me always say we're better at giving it than, than everyone thinks we are. So it, it's a balance on both sides. But it's your job to be honest with people and help people. Uh, it'll make them more successful. And again, it'll make the company more successful. And if your people are successful, you have a good chance as a company. Being CEO for the number of years that you've been, what's the one piece of advice that you wish someone would have told you before stepping in the chair, personally or professionally? Yeah, it's lonely at the top. Mm. You know, you want to be a CEO, um, it comes with massive amount of responsibility, uh, both for obviously the business, for all the constituencies that you work with, whether that's you know, if you have um, suppliers, where you have investors, you have the communities you operate in, and you have to be ready to deal with all of those. But you're the point person. You're out front, and you know you're no longer considered safe territory for everybody. And um, sometimes you can feel like you're on an island. And so it is. It's a bit. It's a bit lonely at the top. Um, it's okay. Like it's not. Not like you lose all your friends and, and all those kinds of things, but it's a, it's different in the organization, right? In 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 past jobs, you know, whether you're one level below the CEO or you know five levels below the CEO, you have your cross functional peers who are the same level as you are, who you you know you talk to all the time. You, you don't even realize how much of that goes on until you don't have it anymore. You have to be when you're the CEO. You have to be honest, you have to be more thoughtful about your communication because now you're always reporting to people who you are directly accountable for. So what you say, how you say it, uh, is important. It doesn't mean you stop, and it doesn't mean you don't have close relationships with people, and it doesn't mean you don't have confidants and all those kinds of things. But you do have to think about it differently, and it's something that I don't think you can appreciate until you're truly in the position of times when you're in your office quietly thinking about different issues, your peer group is no longer there for support. You're, you have to go outside the company, quite frankly, for that, because everything now is a different type of communication internally. And those people, it affects them directly more than just sounding boards. Um, so I still use my, my team for that. And I've got an amazing team that is unbelievably supportive, unbelievably hardworking. But I do have to pause at times and think about what I'm doing, how I'm doing it. And in the past, I just went to a, a cross to front. I found you and we went and we talked about something and you know, it, it, it was different. In the CEO role, it's a little bit different. You, you have to think a little bit differently about it. Mm-hmm. Well, as we wrap up, first of all, I just want to say thank you. Uh, you have a lot going on, but you've always been a supporter of others and you constantly give back. And I know in working with you and knowing with you, knowing you, I became a better human being. So I just want to say thank you. Whenever I reach out, 
you help me. And I usually tell people when you're going to any CEO, they're paid to solve problems. And if you don't want them to take action, then you need to think about how do you couch it? (laughs) How do you say, listen, I don't want you to do anything because they will say something because they're driven to solve problems. So you kind of have to say, don't really say anything, please. Are you going to get me in trouble? Or I need you to do that. So I just want to thank you for that because I'm a better executive coach because of you. Well, you're very kind. Um, (laughs) I would tell you right back at you. You've made me better. You challenge me all the time, uh, both when we work together directly and certainly still today. You know, you're somebody that that I call and talk to and say, what do you think about this? And then, you know, you often hit me right between the eyes with it. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. And, you know, hold me accountable, right? Accountability. We didn't talk that much about it, but, you know, accountability is incredibly important in whatever role you're in and you hold me accountable. So I appreciate that very much. Well. I hope you all enjoyed our episode today. Please subscribe, like, share, tell us how this impacted you. What are you going to do differently as a leader? How are you going to show up? And we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to Mastering Executive Leadership with Audra Christie. Please visit us at www.mindsetchangecoaching.com for more valuable resources to help you lead with purpose and impact.